Welcome to Talking Kotlin. We are back and I am excited to be here with my co-host, Sebastian. Hi, Hadi. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm really looking forward to today's episode, actually. Yeah, and you know, this is the first recording that we have done after KotlinConf. And I must say, it was an amazing conference, right? I, I came back so tired, but at the same time, so pumped up with all the energy and, and the, seeing the folks from the community again and so much excitement around the multi-platform stuff and the things that we're doing. Oh, 100%. There was so many like cool announcements, so many cool discussions to be had. It was one of those uh, moments where I really realized how much I missed just being amongst like my people, the, the, the Kotlin community and being able to, to talk to them in person. It was really, really good. Wait a minute. I thought they were my people. I think they might be our people. Oh, okay. I'll settle for that. And of course, the most important announcement of them all, we reintroduced the mascot. Oh, look at that. It's so cute. That is so beautiful. If, it's, a, it's actually quite cute. Like, I, initially, I didn't like it, but it's cute, you know, with the little heart and the plushiness. Um, but yeah, anyway, and guess what? We're even more excited because today we have a special guest with us, someone that's been on the show a number of times and is coming back to talk about one of the topics that I really want to learn about this time, which is... Uh, it's Sebastian Deleuze, uh, who's going to join us today to talk about Kotlin for WebAssembly. He's a Spring Framework Core Committer at VMware, but he also just does a lot of other things in, in the Kotlin ecosystem. So hi, Sebastian. Hello, both of you. How are you? We are good. Yeah, really, really excited for, for today. So, yes, I'm super happy to be able to talk about yeah, Kotlin, Kotlin Wasm and all the Wasm stuff. So yeah, thanks for having me here. I think we need to get one thing out of the way first and foremost. Um, Sebastian, you are Sebastian. Seb, you're Seb. Uh, I'm sure uh, that cleared it up. That's very clear. Works, works for me. Works for uh, me. I will, okay. so I will absorb the Seb title. Very good. There you go. Right. So if I say Sebastian, who says yes? Sebastian? Yeah. Seb? Yeah. There you go. Look at that. And I'll be Hadi. All right. <laughs> well, I could be Sebo. <laughs> I'll be Sebo on this episode. So it's out for me. It's out for me because everybody called me Seb, but for, for, for this hour I, I will make an exception. Okay, fine. Then we'll call you Seb and Sebastian. <laughs> no, 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 Seb, no. You let's can keep, be let's keep Sebastian. <laughs> let's keep Sebastian. That will be fine. Okay. Anyway, uh so how you been, Sebastian? Uh, super fine. I, I'm also back from KotlinConf and I was super pleased to meet everybody in person. Uh, super nice event, super nice venue. And uh, yeah, and it, it was the opportunity also to to talk about Kotlin Wasm and uh, with various people, various site attendees. And usually people just come to me to talk about Spring. Uh, this year, they, they come to me to talk about Spring, but also uh, talk about Kotlin Wasm, and that was um, super nice to be able to chat about the two topics with uh, with the Kotlin community. Yeah, it's kind of like I'm not a one-hit wonder. You know, I do more than Spring. <laughs> I do WebAssembly as well now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's actually I, I think quite quite an interesting topic because uh if you're if you're not entirely kind of in the loop it it might not be immediately obvious what web assembly even is or why there's like a 
a necessity for for WebAssembly to exist. So why don't we actually kind of motivate this whole story first of all? So so Sebastian, what what is WebAssembly? Yeah, so it's it's true that uh, basically WebAssembly is a kind of low level building block where the regular developer don't want necessarily to be aware about all the details because. We all develop with our programming languages, Kotlin or other languages, and it's it's basically a low-level uh, bytecode format that allows to deploy your workload uh, uh, by not being tied to a specific ar architecture. So unlike native executable or unlike Docker containers, you are not tied to a specific operating system, uh, not tied to specific uh, uh, CPU architecture, and it has been initially created to yeah to be able to run some some workload efficiently in browser. So WebAssembly, there is this web part because it is originally designed uh, to run a workload inside the browser. So typically, we have used JavaScript as the bytecode of the web. Uh, and that's what Kotlin.js is doing. It's it's using JavaScript, which is a language, as a kind of bytecode. And that creates some issues. I guess we can talk later with the Kotlin.js team to know more about <laughs> the tricks that are needed to do that because JavaScript is not a bytecode. And, and so WebAssembly is a real bytecode that the web was needing. Uh, it is designed to be a suitable compilation target for low-level languages like C, C++, Rust. And, and currently, I think it's mostly used to, in addition to JavaScript, in combination with JavaScript, be able to run some yeah, workloads like cryptographic uh, functions or a codex or stuff that are typically developed in C, C++, Rust and run that, uh, run that in the browser uh, with all the security uh, you need, etc. So it's, uh, it's a bit like a revival of the old plugins, but super different way, a super different security model. Uh, and it's uh, platform agnostic uh, and uh, super, super efficient, basically. So... Anyone that thinks of the web kind of thinks of everything you've said with the exception of super efficient and low level, right? Because the web is by all means uh, its own kind of virtual machine where you can run anything independent of the platform, etc. And this is no different. The difference here is that this is going way more low level in the with the hope of making things very performant and enabling certain type of applications that aren't currently possible with the combination of HTML and JavaScript. Is that right? Yeah. And this is currently the main use case for WebAssembly in the browser. The perspective I take is it's it's also it's also opening the web to other languages. So currently, if you don't leverage JavaScript uh, or if you are not a superset of JavaScript like TypeScript, you are basically not a first-class citizen. Uh, and yeah, I guess that's also why maybe Kotlin.js and other languages that transpire to JavaScript Sure, they get, uh, they are usable, but compared to the adoption of TypeScript, it's it's not the same. And if you are not JavaScript-ish, uh, you are not web-ish. And what WebAssembly is doing, in my opinion, is that it's opening the web to other languages. So the, the initial uh, move was for C, C++, REST, because that allowed to run new kind of workloads that were not possible before without WebAssembly. But uh, I think there is a bigger picture where uh, it opens the web for other languages, uh, Kotlin, Java, Swift, uh, uh, Python, Go, etc. And I, I think this is one of the the key points here. And also, I guess we are going to talk about that. But it's not just about the browser. Um, 
the advantages we get with WebAssembly could be used to run server-side, serverless workloads, basically. And that's that's where the, the tech community begin to be quite excited, I think. That's a, that's a really cool use case. I think we're going to shelve that for just a little bit, but we're definitely going to come back because WebAssembly beyond the browser sounds like, a, like an extra spicy topic. Um, but I actually want to just kind of kind of clarify this this again a little bit because you talked about like you're you're kind of not webbish if you're if you're not kind of javascripty and and i think it might be useful to to talk a little bit kind of about maybe what the what the main differences are because i mean through throughout history a lot of languages have tried to like enter the browser right it's it's not just kotlin there's um what is it m scripten for c and c plus plus that tried to transpile um those languages into i guess into javascript or into some some kind of other like representation there's stuff like scala js i believe closure has has closure script all of these things i remember that they all worked with kind of varying degrees of success like i remember at my university we were using a lecture recording tool where the where the web player was a was a cross compiled C++ application running in the browser, which was permanently spiking your CPU to 100% because the, the JavaScript interpreter just couldn't catch up. What kind of design decisions went kind of into WebAssembly that now, like, it's like a better compilation target? Like, is it is it just different than JavaScript? Is it is it more restricted? Do I have to really think of this as like an as like a low level assembly language really like you know like the stuff that i saw in my in my first computer science classes where it's just a, a bunch of registers or, or a stack and i do a bunch of push and pop and mull and add what does it look like yeah it's it's pretty low level i, I think it's a trade-off uh so basically javascript again is is uh, a language a garbage collected one and has never been designed to be used as a bytecode WebAssembly is a pretty low level. I think WebAssembly 1.0, the, the, the MVP version, is really just a, burn, a pretty concise uh, specification uh, that deals mostly with uh, float and integers. Uh, it can translate pretty easily to CPU instructions. So you have usually a one-to-one -one, uh, um, translation from a WebAssembly operation to a CPU uh, instruction uh, for the most common uh, CPU uh, architectures like uh, x86 or ARM, etc. Uh, and and, and the, the core WebAssembly specification was super, super small. Uh, and, and so basically, it, it allowed to transpile, to compile the C, C++, the native languages, system languages, easily to a pretty concise um, uh, footprint. Uh, so just a few kilobytes uh, and what is interesting is that when you are using languages like C++ Rust, uh, which are designed to produce pretty efficient outputs, you can have, you don't have to have a huge runtime. You you have super uh, small WebAssembly files, a few kilobytes, and you can have uh, basically interaction with your uh, with JavaScript. So uh, it's 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 really low level. I think WebAssembly is a pure compute engine, so by default you have access to nothing. Uh, you just do computation, and uh, uh, this uh, basically pure compute engine uh, uh, is basically integrated into a host. The host could be uh, 
typically JavaScript, could be other uh, other kind of uh, integration like on server side. And uh, yeah, so I, I think it just gets the right level of abstract abstraction. It's low level enough to trans to compile efficiently with uh, two CPU architecture and execute at near native speed. Uh, it's uh, neutral enough to be a suitable compilation target for any language. We have already tried to use, for example, the JVM bytecode to run other languages. And yeah, Kotlin is <laughs> maybe the best example of that. But Kotlin is close to, uh, I mean, it's different from Java, but it's inspired to be uh, uh, to be uh, a suitable uh, language for, for Java developers. While where you are doing Rust, C or C++, it's just a different world. And if you try to compile C++ to, to, to JVM bytecodes, you... <laughs> you will just not get the right uh, the right footprints, the right performance. So uh, I think it has learned from from the JVM bytecode. Uh, it has learned from the from JavaScript, uh, and it tried to provide uh, just the right level of abstraction. Think also about the when you have to deal with numeric types uh, and when you need to transpile uh, some numeric types from Kotlin, for example, to numeric types in, in JavaScript. If you are using JavaScript as a bytecode, you, you are going to be in trouble because everything is float, et cetera. And so it, again, it just just using the right level of abstraction to provide a, a small footprint, uh, efficient execution, by still uh, uh, staying neutral in terms of CPU architecture and, uh, and, 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 and platform. All right. I I, th I think probably the, the the most interesting takeaway for me here is that that it really sounds like uh, going through through JavaScript was kind of this this hack that most languages did uh, yeah. because there was no better alternative if you wanted to run it on the on the browser. But as you said, with with anything from having floating point numbers uh, to uh, or or having having proper integer representations on the VM to just having something that executes at near native speed, that that wasn't really like possible beforehand with this kind of go going through. And now with with WebAssembly, we have a proper like designed from scratch to be a compilation target type of of representation. Uh, is that yeah. right? Yeah, we have we have that, and also WebAssembly is a building block. So, because you may think, okay, JavaScript engine are super performant right now. Uh, JavaScript code can run pretty fast. So I, I think the just the performance uh, benefit is 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 not enough. But since WebAssembly is the right, it's a pretty tiny uh, building block, a key one. On top of that, you can build an ecosystem that is not JavaScript everywhere because. Uh, Again, if we take the example of Kotlin, uh, Kotlin GS, if you are using Kotlin GS, you need to know both Kotlin and JavaScript ecosystem, both Kotlin and JavaScript uh, build tools, uh, repository, etc. And and where uh, I, I think uh, WebAssembly is a bit different is that on top of this uh, neutral building block, there is some ongoing higher level uh, specification that are being built to create a WebAssembly ecosystem that will be polyglot. Uh, and so, for example, we have this WebAssembly component model specification that basically is going to define components that are written in any language compiled to WebAssembly and that import some function, export some function. They are going to be deployed to some WebAssembly repositories like NPM for JavaScript world or Maven Central for the JVM, but in a neutral way. And those WebAssembly components, uh, TD footprint, uh, ID performance, will be usable in any languages that support WebAssembly, uh, Kotlin, 
uh, Python, C, C++, Rust, etc. And I think this is one of the key points where we are talking about maybe using WebAssembly for Kotlin. It's it's going to open uh, um, uh, in terms of libraries, ecosystem I can use for AI, ML, or other domain where maybe we don't have yet the Kotlin multi-platform libraries. It's going to add a huge number of libraries uh, to to Kotlin uh, uh, to be used in addition to the Kotlin multi-platform. And yeah, this polyglot ecosystem of libraries and other kind of benefits, I, I think this is something that is going to be super interesting because, again, you don't have to to learn all the JavaScript ecosystem specificities. You are just going to build with your language plus extra power from the WebAssembly ecosystem and run that in an efficient way. Okay, so let's go with that because you, you know, initially you mentioned that this is, if you're not a language that is TypeScript or, or JavaScript, you're a second-class citizen. So yeah. now we understand that basically what WebAssembly is doing is leveling the playing field, right? It's saying it doesn't matter what language you are, you get to, uh, you know, take advantage of WebAssembly. Okay. So now let's move on to Kotlin. So Kotlin, uh, for, actually, first of all, let's start with where is Kotlin in the scope of WebAssembly? Yeah, so... I think when we talk about WebAssembly, there is three kinds of, of, of languages. The first kind of language is basically system languages, C, C++, Rust, and they already compile pretty fine to WebAssembly. They are used to implement crypto, compute libraries, uh, other things, etc. That already works pretty well. Uh, it's allowed to produce tiny footprints. Uh, it runs fast, etc. Uh, second kind of languages are scripting or dynamically typed languages. So here you are going to compile your script engine. So let's say, for example, the Python or the Ruby runtime to Wasm. And your Wasm, uh, your, your script engine basically will interpret Ruby or Python file uh, in the browser. So here uh, it's interesting, but the footprint will be pretty big because you have uh, one to five megabytes scripting engine that is running in your browser, etc. and in terms of speed, that's not the best. Uh, and, and so far, it was basically the two choice we had. And there is this WebAssembly garbage collection proposal, which is maturing for quite a few years already. So maybe people uh, are just yeah, impatient to be able to try it. Uh, WebAssembly garbage collection is that in addition to WebAssembly 1.0 that can run these two kind of languages I talked just previously, it's going to make WebAssembly a suitable target for garbage collected languages like Kotlin, Java, uh, C Sharp, etc. And this is what was missing until now uh, to be able to compile uh, languages like Kotlin to Wasm. Um, so this is uh, a, um, a new uh, WebAssembly proposal that is currently available behind the flag in the various browsers. So you can run WebAssembly garbage collection support by enabling a flag on Chrome, for example. And uh, basically, this is what yeah, Kotlin Wasm is currently using. That means that by default, you can't yet run Kotlin Wasm or other languages that support Wasm GC in your browser without enabling the special flags. But think about in a few months where uh, when potentially uh, WebAssembly garbage collection will be enabled by default. I think we are coming very close to that that a very important uh, uh, step. Uh, then it's open, basically, um, it, it makes WebAssembly a suitable target for languages like Kotlin. And here, I think we are entering a new world because 
yeah, we can compile uh, Kotlin code uh, into a very small footprint WebAssembly file, and that's what I am excited about. So, uh, but where, but where is where is the technology in in regards of like uh, stability so far? So just just Kotlin for WebAssembly specifically. Yeah. So, so I think you have uh, announced. Yeah, a Kotlin Wasm has reached the experimental status as part of Kotlin 1.8.20. Uh, so uh, I, th I think, yeah, Kotlin Wasm team is working on that for uh, uh, some time, but it has recently reached the experimental state, which is uh, the first state of maturity uh, before, I don't remember, alpha, beta, and stable, something like that. So it's super new. Uh, uh, it's uh, super early, so I, I, I won't say it's possible to write production workload with that right now. Uh, but I think the potential is big because it's leveraging the Kotlin multi-platform architecture. Uh, so basically, Kotlin has already the experience of adding new platforms, uh, and, and so it's, uh, it really helps. Um, in terms of footprints, I think it's already pretty good. So the latest uh, improvement that the Kotlin Wasm t did allow to create um, a small hello world in a browser with a three kilobytes uh, footprint. So if you compare to what Kotlin.js is doing, or uh, even if we, we, we think about the potential of this tiny footprint uh, with bigger workloads, I think it's pretty nice. Uh, in terms of performances, um, I think it's already better than Kotlin.js. Uh, And that's not, not a small thing because think about all the optimization that has been done in the JavaScript engine and all the optimization that has been done in Kotlin.js. Um, the clever trick is that the Kotlin Wasm team is doing a reasonably optimized output, especially doing a lot of tree checking, so removing the code that is not used by doing a static analysis of, of your application. And then there is this binary tool which is created by Google, so multiple years of R&D in that tool. Uh, so Binarian is a tool chain that allows to process Wasm files, and there is this Wasmopt uh, utility. Basically, you feed it with an unoptimized Wasm file, and it creates a smaller and much faster output. And uh, this is what the Kotlin Wasm team is, is using to leverage, again, multiple years of R&D from Google to optimize uh, Wasm workloads. And the end result is a, is a pretty uh, small and, and performant workload. So I, I think in terms of footprint performance, already pretty good and it's only going better in terms of maturity uh, of the platform compared to Kotlin.js, for example, it's it's too early to, to for a wide usage because a lot of things to, to refine still. All right. Yeah, that makes, uh, I mean, it kind of makes sense. So just to kind of recap to see whether I understood this one correctly. Um, so we're, we're working with some, some pretty cutting edge technology here. Um, The, the the Kotlin for WebAssembly target is using the the WebAssembly garbage collection proposal, which uh, I mean that makes sense because Kotlin is a is a garbage collected language. We we don't really have I don't think anywhere we have a, a memory model that is now different from garbage collection. And I know that so Kotlin native used to have this this different type of memory model, but uh, sometime in the range of Kotlin 1.7, uh, that got moved into actually providing a, a runtime that also uses uses garbage collection. So so it kind of makes sense uh, that that WebAssembly would also use garbage collection so that you know things be, things behave the same. 
that part that part checks out to me. Um, it also makes sense that that all of this uh, is is still experimental because it's because it's quite new. Um, but especially since it's it's using a, a technology that is still behind the flag. But I'm also hearing from this that I can already take a a, a WebAssembly application written using Kotlin. And I can run that in just like the browser that I have. I might need to have a might need to turn on a toggle, um, but uh, I can I can already run it in the application. And then I assume a, a couple of months down the line, when when this proposal has has moved further, hopefully the the applications will just run kind of out of the box in the in the standard configuration. Uh, is that reasonable to say? Yeah, yeah, and. Uh... I think there is two main things that need to happen to make that easily usable by everybody. The first one is indeed to get the WasmGC proposal just supported by the various browsers out of the box. And I think that will happen within a few months. The second point is for the Kotlin multi-platform ecosystem, uh, Kotlin multi-platform libraries, to add Wasm support like there is native GS, GVM support. Uh, and it's it's usually not a huge work. It's usually adding just the Wasm specific uh, uh, specific, specific code uh, that will basically combine with the common multi-platform code, uh, allow to run your application on Wasm. We we have already experimented with the Kotlin Wasm team on doing that on a few libraries. I think on your side on on Compose, uh, there is already some uh, experimental work uh, that allow to 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 basically compile a, a compose for web application to 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 wasm uh, so yeah still some work to make it first class and there is a lot of experimental version of the libraries but technically you just need to add the the, the small specific wasm bits uh, and you can just leverage the, the kotlin multi-platform uh, libraries that you already use for other use cases so uh, kotlin serialization uh, and others I mean that's a that's a super casual way of kind of dropping at the side and being there like oh yeah there's of course there's already a a, a version of of compose multiplatform that that runs that runs in the browser I think I think we need to talk about that just a little bit more um, I also I, I I might be slightly personally invested in this because I did <laughs> show a, I did show a demo of this at KotlinConf. I remember a huge crowd around your computer when you were showing the Compose for Web demo with Wasm. I yeah, it it was quite amazing. I, I think it got quite a lot of traction uh, at KotlinConf. Yeah. yeah, and I I hope that we'll have something that shows off Compose for WebAssembly on the on the Kotlin YouTube channel uh, soon as well. So do mm. keep an eye out for that. Um, just a just a small look at it because that would be nice. Um, but yeah, so for for people who aren't quite in the loop, I think it's it's important to note that at JetBrains we we run this this project called uh, Compose Multiplatform, which takes the uh, which essentially takes Jetpack Compose, so the 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 framework that you use for building declarative UIs for Android, and brings it to a bunch of other platforms. And during um, we we already have des compose for desktop, which is stable, which we've actually already talked about on this show with with Victor Krop. Um, but at KotlinConf 2023, we also announced support for iOS and Alpha, and an first experimental version um, that runs on on top of Kotlin for for web uh, on on top of Kotlin for WebAssembly. And what's particularly exciting uh, about 
uh, this is at least from from my perspective, I had I had not expected it to perform this well. Um, when I first opened the 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 demo that that we had built, just as an example, it ran very smoothly. It behaved because it's just another Kotlin target and not some kind of weird transpilation. It behaved exactly the the same way as it did on. Uh, on desktop or or on on one of the mobile devices, so I was I was really quite impressed, and I, I it kind of showed me that the uh, that there's definitely just value there when you can take essentially a, a a full Kotlin application like user interface and all, and just bring it also to the to the web browser with a with a decent performance. But on that note. I want to ask me as a Kotlin developer today, ignoring the fact of that this is still experimental, right? And you say that you know this is not for production uh, code. I guess it depends where you put your quality bar, right? So, no, like literally, no one is preventing you from putting experimental code into production, um, apart from your customers then paying you. But what can I actually do today with Kotlin for WebAssembly, even if it's just playing around? Like, what type of applications can I create? And let's forget Compose Multiplatform for a second. Well. <laughs> no, we'll yeah, come so back you're... to that. But I just want to—I just okay. want to forget that for a second. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So you can—you can use it to create web applications. So I mean. You can use it to create what you were doing with uh, Kotlin.js, for example. So you can create front-end code. Uh, uh, you can create, uh, so Compose application. You can create, we have experimented by creating new uh, new front-end code using uh, uh, some, 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 yeah, some specific libraries. Uh, you can leverage it to share business logic between front-end and back-end. So imagine you have your Kotlin multi-platform business logic. Uh, that is using potentially some uh, some some libraries like conform uh, with a K. Uh, you can share easily this logic between uh, front end and back end, etc. But you can also, and that's where I'm currently experimenting. You can create some server side workload. Uh, so that's why I have created this Cowasm project uh, that is currently experimenting around that. So it's nice to be able to create application with Kotlin Wasm that targets the browser. It's nice to potentially be able to leverage Node.js API or whatever to create uh, application, but you can also create um, new kind of workloads that just target uh, basically server-side workloads. And that's where I think there is a huge potential for, for Kotlin. It's not just to be in the front end. It's also to be able to share code between backend and front end. It's also to create server-side application that will start super fast, are independent of the architecture. And that's where I'm personally um, yeah, pretty excited, mainly because of my server-side developer background. But that's that's really where I want to push a bit. But let's go back to the front-end applications, right? You say, okay. I, I can create web applications right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And one thing that you mentioned previously is that you know you kept saying how with WebAssembly, you no longer need to know the Java ecosystem. Sorry, the JavaScript ecosystem. Um, how, how do I actually work with that? Like, don't I need to know uh, the how to work with the DOM? 
can I work with Kotlin directly with the DOM using WebAssembly or do I need to go through JavaScript? How do the APIs work? I think this is a yeah. really, really good question because I, I think classically in the in the WebAssembly discourse, one of the one of the key points has always been it's kind of icky to work with like the browser itself. Like it's a really nice model for doing a bunch of number crunching or, or calculations, but then reaching out conveniently into the browser world, that part has always, as, as, at least from what I've heard, uh, has always given people a little bit of trouble. Yeah, there is mainly two, two big strategies. So um, uh, to render a website uh, with Kotlin Wasm, uh, you basically have two big options. The first one is to use the DOM. So you're not directly using JavaScript. You are, I mean, currently you have to go through JavaScript, but that's a bit hidden. So in Kotlin Wasm, you will have a DOM API like you have currently in Kotlin.js and you are going to create your elements, etc., and manipulate the DOM. And I'm, I'm personally a bit excited about that with Wasm, but we can talk maybe that uh, about that a bit later. So it's just the regular way to... to, to you, you just continue to use the DOM to create uh, uh, a GUI with, uh, with Kotlin Wasm. The other, uh, the other option is basically you create a canvas uh, uh, that is baked by a, a shared array buffer. And then you will just directly render your GUI. And I think that's what Compose for Web is doing uh, in a pixel perfect manner without using the DOM, uh, which is can be slow, where you can't really control precisely how that will be rendered. So here the trade-off is a bit different. You are going to provide your own rendering engine. So typically, uh, various software are currently compiling the SCIA uh, uh, to 2D rendering engine to Wasm and using that to render pixel perfect UI uh, on the on the browser, and yeah, so you maybe lose a bit of accessibility. You need to provide maybe a bigger rendering engine, but once you do that, you can perform pixel perfect rendering of your application, uh, and and I think that's a bit what Compose for Web is doing. Uh, but Seb, you you know you know maybe more than me about that. <laughs> I mean, I, I can I can definitely you're I mean you're you're exactly right. Um, so compose for for WebAssembly is, is is doing exactly that. So it's essentially just rendering on top of a canvas, which is why probably for the time being the main use case isn't to take your run of the mill like I don't know block website and turn it into a into a compose for WebAssembly application because if you're if you're just there to to show a bunch of text and maybe a couple of images it, it, it would be quite quite crazy to you know ship your own custom rendering engine and all of these things the real benefit is is exactly um, if you have an, an an application already built for example or if you're building an application that's that's maybe quite complex or that has a bunch of interactions for for android or or for the desktop or you know in the in the shared case and then spending very little effort to kind of bringing that to the browser um, i'm pretty sure that the team is quite committed on providing accessibility integrations also for for compose multi-platform uh so hopefully that experience doesn't uh we, we don't have any degradation in comparison to other web applications what is probably a bit harder might be uh search engine optimization right which is again why if if your main goal is to get your your website discovered and like ranked at the in the in the top uh search results 
then most likely just a, a basic a basic website is going to to always do a, a better job than that. But if you have really complex interactions, right? If you're the next Figma or like I don't know the next Google Docs or whatever, those are all um, programs that actually already render on top of a canvas, just like just like Compose does. Then then it might be a a good a good kind of use. For the record, yeah. Chat GPT has said that SEO is dead, so we can just ignore that now. <laughs> why, why did you ask it? Well, no, I, no, just, someone, so no, <laughs> someone on Twitter said, "Here's how ten things are going to change with uh, ChatGPT," and one of the tweets said that. So I'm, I'm taking that as, as, as gospel. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, that's all, always, always believe growth hacker Twitter. Exactly. You had heard it yes. here first. Um, I just, but just to round things out, because you, you said we can, we can access the DOM. Um. The, the, is it is it just the DOM or like what about the rest of the browser API? Yeah. Right, because because the browser you can do like a lot of things. Like nowadays, anything from uh, from just making network requests to accessing I don't know the gyroscope and sensor data on on mobile devices, like all of these things, are those also exposed? Yeah, to, uh, to Kotlin. For yeah, everything is exposed because everything is generated from the the same web IDL. So you can basically access to any. Any feature accessible from JavaScript, uh, you will be able to access it uh, uh, with uh, with Kotlin Wasm. Uh, currently, technically, it goes through uh, a layer of JavaScript, uh, but that's totally hidden. Uh, but it's interesting to think a bit about the future. Uh, uh, currently, you go through JavaScript, and then you are basically reaching some feature implemented natively by the browser. It's not impossible that with uh, the, the future evolution of WebAssembly, you will be able to totally skip the JavaScript layer and just directly uh, target the internal implementation of the of the of the browser, uh, allowing more more performance, etc. I just want to 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 talk back about this, uh, yeah, DOM versus Canvas thing because that's a super important topic. So I think there is really two different use cases: uh, Compose for web, Canvas rendering, be able to do pixel perfect rendering between Android, mobile application, desktop, web. Super important, uh, perfect use case for back offices, uh, application where you, you don't need to care about the footprint. And even for, for, for Spring, I could imagine that people could build some back offices uh, using Compose for Web and doing very dynamic uh, GUI, etc. cetera. Uh, but yeah, I have the feeling that for e-commerce, for websites, where, where, when the footprint is important, it would be great if we could have uh, yeah some... Uh, small footprint, DOM-based alternative that would be basically the the React of Kotlin or something like that. So maybe it could be composed for HTML or maybe that will be something else. But I think we, we need both. Uh, we need Compose for web and Canvas rendering for back offices and application. And it would be great to leverage this super tiny footprint with Kotlin Wasm, 3K for Hello World. So think about if we had a, a framework uh, based on Compose architecture that could take, I'm not sure, 20 kilobytes and allow people to create website, accessible website, etc. with that. And yeah, so drawback would be you can't, you can't leverage your mobile or desktop compose for web components. Advantages is that you have a super tiny footprint and you are just leveraging the, the web APIs directly. So I think this is two, two complementary approaches. Uh, but I also understand why uh, Google Agile Brains maybe focus a bit more on Compose for Web because, yeah, it allows so much reuse and maybe that's your future. 
maybe we will continue to need both variants. I'm not sure. Okay, um, but so so just to just to quickly summarize this point on um, on using kind of the the browser APIs again because I think that's that's kind of important. So it it uses Web IDL, which I guess is the the interface definition language, um, and that means that all the stuff that you have accessible in Kotlin JS or just well in the browser, whether that's um, whether that's some kind of request making apis or, or, or sensor access um th that's that's all available and it's it's actually available kind of under the same like in the same structure it's it's transparent to you it's as if you were just in the javascript world and while, while there happens something in the background some kind of translation layer uh that might be temporary uh that might be switched out at some point the the main point is just that that you don't you don't really have to care about it and that's really that's really cool um, so I, I think we, we still have just a little bit of time. So, so I, I'd, I'd like to, to move on. And, and I think this is also one of the parts that you were quite excited about, and that's kind of seeing the, the use cases of, of WebAssembly beyond the browser, which is, which is quite fun because it, it seems to mirror the story of, of JavaScript a little bit, right? Like JavaScript started in the browser and then someone said, Hey, what if we run JavaScript outside of the browser? And then Node.js was born. Um, and, and it seems that there's, there's kind of a, a similar idea going on with, with WebAssembly where they're saying, Hey, we have this, this platform independent, like low level specification of what is essentially kind of like a virtual machine, um, that we can run wherever, uh, let's try and, and rip that out of the browser as well and, and run it, run it in other places. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, I think you can draw some parallel compared to JavaScript, Node.js, and also with the JVM. So, yeah, so basically the idea is you have WebAssembly, this platform-neutral format, secure, fast, uh, can be a compilation target for every language. Uh, you can instantiate workloads in a few microseconds, so super, super efficient for potentially serverless workloads. So why... What if we were using that to deploy server-side workloads and run that on the server? So in parallel of the browsers that ship a WebAssembly engines, uh, you have some pure WebAssembly engines uh, like WasmTime, WasmEdge, uh, that are just shipping a WebAssembly engine. And basically, they can uh, run this and also interact with the system using uh, a, a new specification, which, which is called WASI. So WASI uh, provides access to your WASM workloads to the file system, to random number generation, to do stuff on your machine, basically, like you do with, uh, with Java and other languages. So, and what does that stand for? What does, what does WASI stand for? Uh, it's a WebAssembly uh, system interface. Okay. And uh, it, it's not a monolithic thing. So, and that's maybe where the WebAssembly ecosystem is a little bit hard to follow. So currently, you have what we call WASI Preview 1, which is a, a basic version, a low-level version of WASI. You can, you can deal with the file system, and basically, that's it. And there is a next generation of WASI, which is WASI Preview 2, and what will be WASI 1.0, which is breaking this monolithic thing uh, into various subsets, which are WASI File System, uh, but also WASI Sockets, and uh, was the HTTP and other stuff. And the interesting thing here, here is that you are going to create web application and what 
AI or ML workloads and compile that to WASM uh, using those WASM interfaces. And you will be able to deploy that in whatever cloud platform support, support WebAssembly plus WASM, et cetera, uh, WebAssembly plus WASI, et cetera. So it's, it's a kind of, uh, it's a kind of new kind of GVM. It's a kind of alternative to Node.js. Uh, it's also an alternative to containers. So it's interesting to notice that Docker has added support for WASM and WASI uh, recently. So I think with WASM and WASI, we are removing one or two layers of abstractions instead of chipping your container with the GVM uh, inside a container uh, that will be uh, architecture specific. Uh, you are, and typically it will, it will be 100 megabytes, something like that. You will be able to chip a one megabytes WASM plus WASI file. Uh, you won't be uh, architecture or CPU specific. Uh, you won't be, uh, you will be able to yeah, deploy these workloads and in a much more efficient manner because you will, you don't have the GVM layer. You are, you are deploying a WASM file instead of a container. And that's maybe where server-side developers can, can begin to imagine what that would be in terms of ecosystem. If you can deploy directly your WASM file instead of a container, you deploy, yeah, more efficient workloads, no architecture-specific stuff. Uh, you can run it cheaper, perfect fit for serverless, etc. Yeah, I was I was quite impressed for this when I was downloading Docker the other day. I, I remember they actually had a huge banner on their website just saying Docker plus WebAssembly. Um, and and yeah, so they they're they're currently really experimenting with this. And and it it does seem like just a a really cool way of saying hey, um, we now have like we've essentially we've agreed on the universal virtual machine. So obviously uh our our hypervisor that's responsible for for spinning up virtual machines and kind of managing them it'll it's just gonna natively support uh like this this WebAssembly virtual machine out of the box uh, so so that you don't have to at, at every point instantiate another layer of of linux and another kernel in between and then and then kind of run your workload on top of that so that's that's actually uh quite uh quite exciting um and i, I yeah and, and and you don't and you don't have to you also remove uh, a lot of security issues because you don't need to ship an, an operating system with each uh workloads like you do with a container so i mean yeah it's it's also much much more secure because of the WebAssembly uh, uh security model and because you don't have to ship uh, a streamlined version of ubuntu or whatever operating system with your workload so that that's also a huge benefit and I think it it goes to show again just kind of what kind of portability that that WebAssembly enables. Uh, so one of the other topics that that I've seen, for example, is that that there's more more software systems that allow people to write plugins using WebAssembly, for example, as well, which I which I think is quite cool because yeah, it's it's shaping up to be this this universal runtime where beforehand you might have allowed your users to provide a, a short custom JavaScript snippet. Now they can just tell you, well, just upload a WebAssembly binary uh, that uses part of our interfaces um, and it runs faster. And most importantly, you get to choose the, the language that you, that you write things in. But um, of course, one of the, 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 the points that you mentioned here is, is this, this WebAssembly system interface, which again, at least in my mind, this kind of mirrors the story of, of JavaScript and Node.js, where they were like, well, now that we've got uh, JavaScript running outside of the browser, it would be really nice to actually be able to like 
work with the with like the underlying system to to be able to start sub processes um, or to to go ahead and, and interoperate with the with the file system in a, in a non-blocking manner. So my question then is uh, how do I leverage the the WebAssembly system interface uh, from from Kotlin? Yeah, so from Kotlin, there is not yet dedicated support. Like Kotlin Wasm is for now designed for targeting the, the browser. But I have been collaborating with the Kotlin Wasm team to basically experiment on uh, WASI support for Kotlin Wasm in order to create server-side application. So uh, this is uh, what I do in the CoWasm project. So CoWasm.org, you can, you can check the, the GitHub repository. There is some documentation. And... Basically, the Kotlin Wasm just provide some tiny APIs, uh, tiny low-level APIs that I'm currently leveraging in CoWasm to provide APIs to manipulate the file system, uh, to do web application. Uh, and uh, the, the middle long-term goal, at least that's my hope, is that uh, later Kotlin Wasm will directly support uh, both browsers and server-side application with WASI. And basically, this is two variants of the same Wasm uh, platform where you, you choose in your Gradle configuration if you are doing a Kotlin Wasm front-end application or a Kotlin, uh, a Kotlin Wasm server-side. And yeah, but there is some low... I mean, Wasi is currently under uh, EV work. A lot of changes. They are currently leveraging Wasi on top of Wasi, uh, Wasm component models. So yeah, Wasm itself is super stable. But the, there is a lot of discussion, either friction and yeah, technical technical evolution on, on this WASI layer and the WASI, WASM component model. So everything is still very much in flux. And I think it will take at least a few months to, for that to, to, yeah, to stabilize. But for now, it's, it's moving forward on the experimental side via, via CoWASM. And uh, uh, that's also allows the Kotlin WASM team to provide feedback to the WebAssembly working group to make sure that WebAssembly is a suitable uh, target for Kotlin. So that's that's great to be able to be here super early. That's really cool. Now, I think we might be pretty much almost out of time for our discussion for today, but my uh, I, I do have just one more kind of uh, more personal question. What's kind of like the, the coolest thing you've done so far with, with Kotlin for WebAssembly in all your experimentations? Could could be anything, but is there anything that where you felt like, oh, this is like, this is awesome or this is something that I really enjoy? Uh, I, I think it just being able to 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 just stop to stop to have tech silos between front end, back end, etc. Like I, I I write my code with Kotlin Wasm, and I'm able to share it between front end, back end, etc. Without having to deal with all the 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 technical platforms you have with Kotlin Native, for example. With Kotlin Native, if you want to target all the all the the technical architecture, you have to declare the 25. Uh, <laughs> Variant of your application, sometimes adding the specific code for the watchOS, uh, 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 the watchOS specific variant, etc. That's just a nightmare. So I, I think what I'm the most excited about is that with Kotlin Wasm, that's a very good fit with uh, Kotlin multi-platform. That allow to not just add the developer experience level, but also in terms of deployment. Uh, basically, it's unify how you deploy your application. And you, you 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 can stop wondering about specific operating system stuff, etc. So 
I, I did some example like that in the in the Kowasm uh, project, and I, I'm pretty excited about that. All right, cool, and that's I think something that people can then hopefully also explore by by themselves. We'll we'll make sure that that Kowasm and all the other fancy words like binary and and uh, so on, we will we'll all have those. Yeah, linked, and that course, takes me uh, to the in, point in, in of one thing you said at the very beginning, which is. Uh, Wasm is a low-level thing that the user really doesn't need to know, right? And then <laughs> I imagine some of our audience listening to this is like, wait, wait, you said I just need to know Kotlin, right? So uh, if I'm a Kotlin user right now, where do I go to start experimenting with these things? What is the first step? Do I need to read up on Wasm or could I just download some version of Kotlin that targets Wasm and write my Kotlin code and then somehow deploy it to to the browser. Yeah, you can you can do that and there is not that much from Wasm you need to know. Just you will declare the Wasm platform instead of the GS1 and most of the rest will happen low level. Uh, I think a bit later when we will be able to leverage some Wasm Wasm components written in other languages you maybe will have to declare a specific repository to leverage a component written in Rust or in C++ or whatever. But that will be most of it. I, I think uh, most of the work is done by the compiler engineers in the Kotlin team, and the end user will just be able to deploy uh, uh, more efficient workloads without wondering about specific operating system, a specific, a specific CPU architecture, deploy it in the browser on server side, and it run everywhere in a cheap way, and, and that's it. So. In the end, it should be super simple for the user. But yeah, there is quite a journey and technical level for the Kotlin Wasm compiler engineer and the community. So yeah. So you heard that from this podcast. If you want to join the team that is developing this stuff, get down and dirty with Wasm. Otherwise, just use your favorite Kotlin application and even maybe try Compose multi-platform web assembly, which is an experimental thing targeting another experimental thing. So knock yourself <laughs> out with experiments on that one. And uh, yeah, so with that, we are out of time. Uh, Sebastian, it was great having you. Seb, it was good having you too. Uh, and uh, My pleasure. Thank you once again for coming on the show. Bye. All right. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, we hope that, of course, everyone else uh, will tune in for, for our next episode. Which will be? Yeah. Who knows? You're going to have to tune exactly. in to, to find out. You're going to have to tune in to find out when it's going to come out. We don't even we don't know, know when we're going to record it. So there is that. That's, that's right. We're winging it. We're winging it. Yeah. <laughs> that's we're the secret. Web assembling it. Uh, God, never mind. Yes. Bye, Seb. Yeah. Take care. Bye-bye.